and welcome to the Noisy Hadra podcast. It is Monday the 22nd of May, I think this is episode 14. I've just finished a day's work, which is probably flattering. I have definitely not done a full day's work today. I've been extremely distracted, up and down emotionally, but all the while feeling very, very empty. And then whenever I say how I'm really feeling, I feel so stupid because why can't you just be the person that says the positive things and doesn't make other people uncomfortable by talking about anything negative? But uh, I know it's a very common theme as well whenever I open my mouth, just this weird feeling of empty and I know it's all to do with my surroundings. It It is being at home all day, probably trying to make a job that is not a great fit for me in terms of my soul um, and trying to make that fit and it doesn't it doesn't work with how my brain works and I'm constantly square pegging uh, yeah square pegging in a round hole but I will persevere because the money is very good so there we go and if I can just get my head around how uncomfortable I feel every day sitting on this chair in my very very quiet flat seeing absolutely nobody if I can just get my head around that I'd feel okay but also if I just left the house at lunchtime but this is the thing when I have a bad morning it spreads to the rest of the day because what would help is just having a walk and getting some fresh air and but I feel so guilty and so stuck and paralyzed that I don't even do that very very silly anyway I will make this very, very quick. I want to just get a half hour podcast in just to say hello to literally both my listeners. I realise that. Um, thank you for <laughs> thank you for listening. I'm feeling really rubbish about not having really super interesting stuff to talk about, you know, and share. But today I was thinking that maybe I'll share a little bit of writing, like old writing that I used to write. Because um, I'm feeling quite empty on the old writing front I used to write all the time and I haven't written in a long time and I'm, I haven't even written comedy properly in a long time I have booked um, my solo one hour work in progress show uh, for six weeks time at Cellar Magnifique in Woking so I need to practice that go over my old half an hour 40 minutes and build that out so it's an hour and see what I can make a show of um, and hopefully get some time in properly and get an, more time in with Elf Lions to hopefully coach me through it. So that's one thing. Started sorting out my kitchen cupboards as well. Did that yesterday. Started with the wardrobe, which needs a lot more work to do. And definitely need to tidy my office and make it a bit more comfortable and inviting to work at I think it starts with the chair to be honest I bought like a hundred pound chair off Amazon and it's so it's so rubbish I feel so uncomfortable <laughs> uh haven't been for gym yet Curtis should be home about six thirty, so I'll try and go to the gym then I guess or just do my exercises at home who knows yeah so I was going to share a little bit of writing but maybe what, what else let's talk about what else I've been up to this week So Curtis was away this weekend in Suffolk, so I had the flat to myself and saw my sister on Saturday and then I stopped by Spitalfields Market and saw my wonderful friend Natasha, who's an illustrator and she 
had was selling some of her wares at the um, at Spitalfields Market as part of the East London Art Fair. And then I kind of just wandered around London for a little bit. I was really hungry, but I didn't want to spend too much money because I keep spending money when I'm out. And I thought I'll just get like a sandwich. And what I really, really wanted to do, and I did it, was to just get a bus and just sit at the top of the bus and eat my sandwich. Uh, so I did that. That was very nice. And I had one of those Onken yogurt pouches, like what children have. And uh, sat on the sat on the bus and did that and then moseyed on home. And then had a friend round in the evening. I cooked her some terrible vegetarian food, but hey-ho. Got rid of all the veggies in my house. Watched IndyCar. And then I literally stayed on the sofa. Uh, well, I slept on the sofa because I'd started to sort out all my wardrobe stuff. Uh, all my wardrobe clothes and everything. I wanted to have a big sort out. But didn't really get that far. So they just stayed on the bed. And then I couldn't be bothered. I didn't want to put them on the floor. So I just slept on the sofa and I stayed up until like one or two watching the US office, which I don't know why I'm starting to watch again. I, I, It's really silly going back and watching old TV shows. It's not healthy. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like what just it's not what we should do because you're just constantly living in comfort and in the past. You're you're living in the past experience of watching something. I mean, I know that's not right obviously because you can just appreciate art and you can appreciate it more like we'd I'd never beat myself up for reading the same book again but it is a bit more mindless when it's you know tv I suppose and I did really watch that and go like I just want to be BJ Novak I think that would be that's who I would that's who I want to be he just knew what he was doing I think made some very very smart choices obviously very very creative amazing writer and liked one of my tweets about 10 years ago. So that was nice. Uh, yeah, so I watched that and then watched that until 1, 2 and then just like fell asleep on the sofa, woke up at 8. Then did did actually sort out some of my... Had a nice FaceTime with my friend Amanda. And then I did actually sort out my cupboards. So my kitchen cupboards. Yeah, this is... It was a really boring weekend. Well, it wasn't boring. I saw some people, which was great. Maybe this is just part of growing up. That feeling of isolation I keep speaking about and like, oh, I feel so lonely and empty and all that. Is that just growing up? You just, do you get to your 30s and realise you're on your own? So this energy that seemed to carry me through in my 20s, and it was quite an anxious energy. I was desperate to be attached to people all the time. And I wanted to be, you know, I'm crazy FOMO all the time. I wanted to be everywhere all at once. Still have that. But now it's I want to be on every app all at once. But is what I struggle with, is this just the feeling of adulthood is more isolated because you have learnt that you're alone in a way that you don't necessarily learn. Some people don't learn in their 20s. I didn't. It, it, well, it took me till the end of my 20s to realise that, yeah, you have to manage your own emotions. You can't throw everything at someone else. And maybe that is actually what I'm experiencing, is the acknowledgement of that. I don't know. I feel like I should... Mm, no, you should see... You, you should... Human beings should encounter other human beings every day. I mean, come on. Like, I'm not a monk. I haven't opted for... A, and even monks, like, they're near each other, right? This is... I have not opted for a retreat. Hmm. Anyway, that was the weekend. The week was okay. I went into the office a couple of times, saw a show at Soho Theatre on Wednesday night, which was very good. It was Christopher Bliss. Very interesting. A sort of a character comedy hour. And 
he mixed it was it was yeah just very funny talking about how he was a writer um but within this com with character who was quite sort of basic and, and sweet and you sort of oh bless him um but yeah really really interesting and then thursday oh i had my tapping thing on thursday but it was a bit later than usual so it's at 7 30 i had my energy tapping what did we tap into haha oh, then uh Oh, there was a lot. There was a lot going on this week, I think. Yeah. Um, a lot of past anger for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> I think maybe some of my feelings of isolation are based on feeling very, very angry and unspent, undealt with, unhealed anger. Maybe that's holding me back. That and my fucking phone. Let's do a screen time check, shall we? Let's do a screen time check. Uh, today's screen time was what no it's saying it's three hours and 50 which is terrible because obviously an hour of that was on tiktok but that is <laughs> that's not as much as i thought but it is it's not six o'clock yet um my average last week was seven hours and 13 minutes like kill me i'm not a human i'm not a human that's that's terrible. I just remember leaving the house without a phone. Do you remember those days? You could leave the house without a phone. And if you had a mobile, like when I was 18, 16, 18, I think I had my first mobile. And that was a big deal. I didn't always have it with me everywhere. And now, cray cray. So silly. I started writing a list of... Um, so I was wondering whether I can live without my phone. Could I? What What do I need it for? What do I use it for? And how can I replace certain things with it? Because I, I, don't, I don't like it when people are just like, oh, yeah, just use it less. And that's, yeah, great. But you wouldn't tell an alcoholic to just drink less, would you? Like, if you knew they had a problem. You would go, oh, just, you know, just have a little bit. It's like, that's not how habits are broken. To break a habit, you have to have complete withdrawal, I, I believe. Um, anyway, so I thought, what do I need my phone for? And I've written one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Like there's like 25 apps, <laughs> 25 things I do regularly. Um, and it's seeing, and I'm trying to assess how much I need those. So banking, I'm always on banking. Um, and that is to make, to make things easy to track stuff. I could potentially do that on my computer. And a big part of this as well is throughout the day, if I had systems in place that meant I was taking a note of every random fucking thought that entered my head, writing that down and going, well, well, you know, we'll discuss it later. We will look and see whether this is important, whether you need to Google that burning fact straight away. It's like our brains are living outside of our heads, right? They're, they're outside of our heads. It's, it's terrible. It's, I mean, I can't keep going on about it. The one thing I absolutely do is power dots. So I have these pads that you stick on your muscles, like TENS machine kind of things. And, and I do need my phone to activate that. It doesn't work on its own. So that's one interesting thing. I have my vocal coach exercises that I do. I pay £5 a month subscription to do those. Maybe don't need them anymore. Maybe it's not worth that. I, I made a list of all my subscriptions as well and, and how much I pay for everything. And uh, yeah, it's quite, it's, it's not crazy. I don't need a crazy amount to live off, but through my business, I have, I pay like £25 a month, for example, for Adobe. And I'm definitely not making the most of the suite, but. I do. I do need an audition for this podcast. Uh, yeah. Hmm. 
was a very fast monologue. I feel sort of out of breath from talking. What was I saying? Yeah, so can I live without my phone? I'd have to go... Th Again, everything takes such intense time. And I realise I rush through everything I do in my life because I'm just waiting to get to my phone. Do alcoholics do this? Do, do smokers do this? It's like, right, as soon as I've finished this, I can, I can grab my cigarette, grab, have a drink. Just need something to replace the phone. Replace that dopamine, replace that curiosity. There's also this sense of wanting answers, which is so silly. Like, this is, like, my phone is not the universe. And yet I attribute that same kind of magic to it that I do to the universe. You know how, I don't know, you can, we place, I don't really have a point here, but we place meaning on certain things that, you know, we want, we want to see the meaning in, maybe. So you might be going for a walk and something happens, you bump into someone or you see a bird or a squirrel or, or something, like the universe presents something to you to analyse or be curious about or just enjoy or have delight from, whatever. And I think that natural human curiosity I have transferred to my phone, but that is man-made. Like, it is driven by advertising. It is driven to hold my interest so that I will buy things, so that I will feel insecure about certain things, so that I will um, spend money, so I'll be a consumer. Or whatever, I'm sure, you know, I'm, I, I know it's not necessarily this grand conspiracy, but... Ultimately, the aim is to be on your phone. What was it they're asking about the TikTok creator? You know, the or Netflix? No, the the compet the biggest competitor is sleep. Like, and that's true. And it's astounding to me that I still manage to get a decent night's sleep every night. Um, but I can't. That can't last long. So, yeah, it's like I'm looking for these answers that humans would usually look to the universe for. If that makes sense. Um, but I'm looking for them in my phone, like through TikTok. It's like, oh, what's this telling me? What can I analyse? What's new? And yeah, I'm ascribing magic to it that doesn't exist. Anyway, there's a thought. I had comedy on Tuesday as well. I did my comedy night. That went very well. Rosie Holt and Pascal Wilson from Shirley and Shirley were the two main headliners. And they were both superb. Also had Omar Badawi and James Pendleton, who were fantastic as well. And next month, I think we've got 20 tickets sold now. There's 15 left. And we're still three or four weeks away. So that is good. And I've got my work in progress show July the 12th, I think. Need to send out emails and everything. But yeah, the comedy went well. I'm still not being very funny at all. Like I'm still coming with zero jokes. I get a few laughs from off the cuff stuff. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, it's, I need to stop. I don't want to see myself as just the host, but maybe I need to just release some pressure on myself that I'm doing enough by putting on this great comedy night. People are enjoying it. Uh, hopefully it will get better and better and I can get more money into it. And hey, maybe I could, I don't know, apply for some funding or something, make it a bit more of a community thing and help some other comedians in Woking come out of the woodwork and we'll see. Lots of possible things which will always distract me from what I want to do. What do I want to do? I don't know. This week I was thinking maybe I should go back to writing my books. Maybe. Four books that I haven't done anything with. So, writing. I was going to look through um, some of my old writing. 
and see if there's anything I can share with you and read. And I started reading this. It's, it's very embarrassing, but I'm going to read it anyway, because this is a time in my life when I was married and miserable and living near Brighton. And I kind of got into the habit of going to the casino and it's really tragic. I had I had very little. I don't. Did I have little money? I, I don't know why I had little money. I didn't have money to spend, to, to spare really. Maybe it was before I got my well-paid job. Anyway, this is Notes on a Casino. Notes on the Casino. I knew I wasn't an addict. I'd been five times. I was enjoying the thrill, but entering a chain casino by myself at four in the afternoon and heading straight to the Tempe roulette machine felt shameful. I was up four pounds. Four pounds. I could spend that on a coffee and a tip. Bet what you're prepared to lose. In this case, I was prepared to lose 20 pounds. I knew it was chance. I knew it was chance. But on the other hand, there had been three twelves. I was skirting around my 20 pounds, never losing too much. In my head, I had a romantic notion of slowly creeping up to £40, then placing a big bet to win money for my other half, or to take him out for dinner guilt-free. I was on £22.20. If I worked this out as a freelancer, I had just spent 30 minutes earning £2.20. That was not a good hourly rate. I told myself that there was a formula. My sister had told me that 10 was my lucky number. She'd won me a tenner twice in six goes. Another £3.60 bet. I stick to the outside of the table, black and even every time. Never waver, even if you think it will be red. Another part of the table will save you. I cover the board so 70% of it will make some sort of return. Still, the 30% chance of losing. The man next to me is playing 30 pence each time. Six numbers at a time. 18 numbers each with one and a half pence on. I stick to the plan and I get £5 from £3.70. The next will probably be red, but I can't not stick to the plan. I sense an odd is coming. It's my first bet over £5. Lucky number 10 again, except this time I guess odd, and it paid off. Black, 17, middle row, black and odd. I get £9.80 from £5.30. I don't want to go below £30. So I only bet £3.30. It's risky with a low return. Black, even, middle row, ideally 35. This could be my first total loss round. It's not, but I only make two pounds. I'm wearing flowery leggings and a cream jumper. I think in casinos, everyone assumes everyone else thinks that they must be a gambler. I wanted to stay up at 30, so I took a risk. So I took a risky £1.50 bet on the middle third. It paid off and I'm now at £34.50. I have left the formula. Red even, but it's black odd. I've saved my middle row bet. I now need to be red until it pays off. I stick to the formula and stay black even. It's 11 again, but I'm saved by the black and middle row. Five black odds. I bet just £2.20, my first total loss. 23 red odd. I'm back under £30. I now feel rather ridiculous. I'm now getting fucked betting on evens. I'm getting impatient, which is making me bet bigger. It's been odd nine times few five pounds on even and back to 28 pounds but I bet a fiver straight away after 45 minutes I'm up 60 pence a ridiculous seven pound bet pays off in an exciting way 15 pounds 30 off seven pounds 20 black even and middle I should be working but I'm in the casino I've turned 20 pounds into 50 pounds before 
and I'm now at 30 pounds, I probably need to take some risks if I want a similar outcome. I put just 10 pence on black 35. I should have put it on my own age. Why should I feel ashamed if people see me here? Oh, because I should be working. It's so easy to write stories in your mind of how and why people are spending their time here. I now need to bet black at an increasing amount until it wins. I decide to go bold. Nine pounds on black. It was red. I should have stuck to the formula. I have a feeling I'm about to get taught a lesson. This is what happens when I have cash in my purse. Six pounds on black. It's red. Luckily, I went for the middle and even, so it's not a total loss. I have to put another £10 in, but it's finally black, so I'm back to just £6. Of course, I regret not putting the whole tenner on now. My heart is racing more than I'd like. I have wasted an hour, and I'm £19 down. Back to £10. I could leave £20 down, or I could be bold. I'm bold and really regret now not sticking to the formula. The person next to me clearly just enjoyed their game. It's hard to take that there is no reason here. There are no lessons. I put £10 in to save the 20. Isn't that what addicts do? I spent £30 by myself, one and a half hours, and I wasn't playing for fun. I was playing because of the misguided belief that there is something special about me. I didn't want to go until I'd won back my 30, but I was too late. I had been too bold. I think it's the shame upon learning that that's the hardest. Anyway, so that was weird notes. So I, I did write those on scraps of paper years ago. And I, when I was sorting through all my um, notebooks and stuff, I decided to just write that one up. Um, and it's poorly, I haven't tested the logic really. And I can't actually follow what I was doing because I think I was in and out of, of the of the roulette um wheel <laughs> and writing i mean it was just a, a um a machine obviously so that's why it's a little bit disjointed but it was quite interesting and there's this funny thing about it for me that is even while i'm you know i wasn't addicted and it, do it doesn't feel like gambling because it was such a small amount of money but it was so silly and because it, it was still significant for me but it's there's that thing of what on earth were you doing and that idea of things that are harmful just being fun in small amounts like is that possible I sort of wondered that it's like I'm not the sort of person who allows herself to just have fun really I always think oh no I shouldn't be doing this or there's always some sort of moral ache attached to it and with gambling I think it's because um, I'm surprised at that final line one of those final lines that I wrote it's like yeah I believed there was something special about me. And I wonder if that is something in addiction. It's like something will change, something will happen. It's really weird that I pulled that piece up, to be honest, as I was just talking about like my phone and everything. But um, yeah, so there we go. That was one thing about gambling at the Grosvenor in Brighton. Uh, well, I'm wondering what else I could read. Um, there's some stuff that I should really uh, edit properly. What's this? Would you? Oh, so I started writing like 500 words every now and again. Um, let's see. Is this? I bet I can't read. Oh, I can't open it. That's annoying. Um, I've saved things in so many different formats. The morning run. What's that? That's... Hmm. 
I'm going to read this, but I think this might be for some competition where you end up writing a load of shit. Let's, let's see what I'm actually saying. It's, yeah, it's called The Morning Run. I can't remember vague recollections of writing this. Um... The streetlight was still glaring through the curtains when the phone alarm tore Katie away from a fourth hour of sleep, prompting a frantic fumble around the bedside table. Shh, shh, she hissed as she squinted across the room trying to follow the sound. Her partner, hibernating under the duvet and barely visible but for a lone foot hanging out over the mattress, didn't stir. The beeps eventually led to her jeans, inside out and still with her socks inside at the foot of the bed. 7.02 Three times a week for six months, she'd managed 7.02, sometimes even 6.02, when she'd wanted an extra hour on the ice. It had started with a year of ice skating lessons. At first, every Monday morning, then twice a week, then three times for several months, before she'd managed both a layback and a camel spin. It was during her 700th topple while attempting a Beelman spin that she wondered whether a sport with a slightly lower risk of slicing her head with her own boot blade might bring more satisfaction. You've played hockey at school, right? Her trainer had asked. Katie had thought back to the three matches she'd played before getting kicked out the team for purposefully fouling her own teammate and swearing at the umpire. She was lucky not to get kicked out of school, her head teacher had said. If you didn't have the grades, Catherine, you would be out, she'd scolded. You can't get by on good looks and a bad temper. It's the worst combination. Katie knew how to hold a stick, at least, even if only to smack other players in the shins. Sure, I played a bit, she told him. Anything that could keep her improving on the ice. Her lungs never felt so open as when she was in the rink, the cold biting her cheeks, her body energised. For the next few weeks, she and her trainer had focused on improving her power skating, crossovers and turns, before he introduced her to the local team. Just for training, mind. No matches. She kept the lights off and tiptoed about the room, collecting her socks and leggings, before standing on an errant plug. Oh, for fucks! she howled. He grunted. Sake! she whispered. She sat on the edge of her bed and took exaggerated breaths to numb the pain and her annoyance, directed both at her foot and her partner for leaving his laptop charger on the floor. She'd have to change again, of course. Her kit and hockey stick were safely stored at the rink, car keys quietly in hand and trainers on. She climbed over to his side of the bed and lightly pressed her lips against his cheek. He grunted a hmm and rubbed at his earlobe. I'm just off for a run, she whispered. I've remembered when I wrote that. So there was, I had a colleague, a wonderful colleague called Katie and we were just talking about writing and she said she wanted me to write something about her. <laughs> and I think she'd mentioned just something about ice skating. I don't know. So I wrote her this and I quite like the idea of um, someone just having a secret passion. And for me, it's quite interesting. Cause I, I think that idea draws you into, okay, why is she keeping this secret? What's, is it she just wants something completely for herself? Which I genuinely have never understood when people say, I just wanted something just for myself so they don't tell anyone. I don't think I have anything like that in my life. I literally want everyone or at least a few people to know everything that I'm doing. Oh, uh, that's not healthy. Maybe that's maybe that could be my aim for this year, to have one thing that literally no one knows about. Ugh. I mean, other than the obvious. You know. Dreams. Um, yeah. Anyway, so I, I quite liked the I quite like the idea behind that to be honest. Um, I could read through all the things, but is that is that self indulgent? Is everything self indulgent? Is there anything wrong with being self indulgent, or is it just sharing? Who knows? 
what else i've got i've got a, <laughs> i've got a bit of writing here titled what i learned since my wedding day probably not probably not one to open for now got another 500 called would you leave her which is some sort of uh fantasy idea of chatting with someone this was years ago based on a real person i used to talk to on like messenger um completely professionally and just a friend but then i i let that go somewhere else in my head and i was just wondering what the you know and you just imagine different scenarios with people anyway um and yeah the character i always wrote about she was always a widow <laughs> uh, not that i imagined myself unmarried obviously right then i've got one called your facebook profile and this is I went, so when I was writing like my memoir about growing up Muslim and university and all this sort of thing, I wrote about a time when I was like super, super religious when I was 16 and I went to the Arab Emirates, I went to Sharjah uh, to speak at a Muslim women's conference and I've stayed Facebook friends with a lot of the people there and one uh, woman, you know, she was super cool, uh, super, super religious, but like like really, really cool and fun. She was Australian and we all hung out and we stayed Facebook friends, but obviously over the years she saw me like become less and less Muslim. And she literally sent me a message uh, about it saying, your Facebook profile's confusing me, sis. Do you wear a headscarf now or not? You used to seem so sorted in your faith and steadfast. I never thought you'd take this path. What happened? And I'm sharing that just as uh, th that is basically the internal and external monologue that a lot of Muslim women have to deal with because everything is questioned, everything is argued over and you know as soon as you try to step or try to figure yourself out or step towards whatever you, you want to be, there will be people like this thinking that they have a right to tell you who you are and what's the most important thing about you and actually when I was going through my CBT stuff this week and last we kind of touched on how one of my core beliefs might be that I always feel like I am to blame in some way and that I have to be not necessarily perfect but above reproach so I always have to take pains to explain myself or to predict what people will criticize me for to save myself from feeling maybe that kind of affront of judgment. Um, I think because I had so much early judgment that you're trying to in one way, on the one hand you're protecting yourself from it, but you're also predicting it as a behavior in other people. And yeah, it was crazy. Seriously, religion is just insane. It is insane and no one seems to, I can't believe how many people just think that a religion is the most important part of someone. It's just crazy. Utterly, utterly crazy. Like they think that, uh, no, it's, I can't even get into it. It's just, it's too much to be honest. Right, I've done half an hour um shared a bit of writing obviously had other ideas wanted to talk through a joke or something 
Maybe I'm not in the comedy stage of my life as I thought I was. Maybe I'm in the writing phase. <laughs> um. Um. Yeah. I'm going to crack on with other stuff now, I think. Literally done no work. Absolutely no work whatsoever. And this will be used against me when they fire me. Never mind. I will catch up. Right. I'm going to crack on. Maybe try and eat something. Um, yeah, I hope. I hope some of that writing was interesting. I do have better, deeper stuff. Like, I, I do. I have, like, much better stuff. <laughs> but... I just haven't edited things for so long. Maybe I do want to read something else. Um, so I've got these little bits that are like your life in headgear. Maybe I'll read that out. So this is this is the headscarf. This is just a little snapshot of me in the headscarf. And it's like your guide. So I put your life in headgear, your guide to the scarves, yeah, that you've worn, as in me. So the Chador for two to four-year-olds. Clutch a big black cloth with both hands and hold it high above your head with your arms outstretched. Making zoom noises, run around the room for 10 minutes pretending to be a Muslim superhero, using your chador as a cape with magical powers. You're invisible, you're powerful, you're about to run into a doorframe and bruise your forehead. Once you've stopped crying, pull the chador around your head and hold it under your chin. Draw it around your clothes and make sure all your hair is covered. Only your face and hands should be visible. You only need to do this every now and again to help you feel like a grown-up as you visit neighbours in Tehran with your mother. The headscarf for 5 to 10 year olds. Take a colourful square of cloth and fold it in half into a triangle. If possible, the cloth should be a thin, shiny material so it slips off regularly and creates plenty of opportunities for constant readjustment and frustration. Bear in mind you may have anger issues and a slight complex about your hair and head after you've completed your course in this form of hijab. Wrap the flat edge around your head and tie the two ends together roughly under your chin. A couple of inches of your fringe will be visible, though you can try to tuck in hairs every few minutes. You will constantly be fiddling with this scarf. For maximum impact, team with leggings, baggy jumpers and trainers before going to the park with your sister. If you are going to school, you will be asked to remove it before PE for health and safety reasons. Kick up a fuss and tell your mother. She'll give you a more fitted head covering so you can fulfil your religious obligations while doing a roly-poly. The standard headscarf for 11 plus. You will dip in and out of this headscarf style, but it is the prototype. Whenever you need to go back to being a regular Muslim, put this on. Take a square piece of cloth and fold it in half as before. But this time, take a safety pin and tightly fasten the cloth underneath your chin. All your hair should be covered, not even the fringe will be on display. If you tuck in a small section of the material on each side of your head, this will give you a nice crease and make it easier to pin together. With the two long ends of the scarf, hold them out in front of you and tie them into a small knot. Then cross them over and pull the knot over your head neatly into place at the back of your neck. You'll probably only need to fix your scarf about three or four times a day if you use this style. You will, of course, need to be on the lookout throughout the day for stray hairs creeping out at the edge of your cheeks. If you have long hair, make sure this is tied up underneath your scarf. This will stop small wisps of hair creeping out and making you look like you have overgrown sideburns. 
the large tie-dye wraparound scarf for age 14 to 16. Be on the lookout in markets and material stores for large pieces of fabric. A rectangle about 2 metres in length is ideal. Fold over one end of the scarf into a triangle and wrap this around your head, pulling the short end under your chin and holding it in place near your ear. With the long end, wrap it around several times around your head and tuck into one of the folds so it's secure. This is a very comfortable style as the material is soft and there is no need for pins. Make sure the material is drawn fully over your bosom so as not to reveal its shape. Team with a long flowing jilbab or outer garment and be sure to lower your gaze when in the company of men. As your female form develops, you may wish to wear tighter jilbabs to accentuate your curves, but a wraparound scarf will give the semblance of, semblance of innocence and purity while you swing your hips. The bandana, aged 17. Wear this as a compromise between the scarf and showing your hair. You can wear it without appearing to be rejecting your upbringing entirely. Your neck will be on show, which many will object to, but your hair will still be simply, completely covered. Team with gothic eye makeup, combat trousers and long sleeve t-shirts. Be aware that this look may invite sympathetic smiles from well-wishers who hope your chemotherapy is going well for you. Try not to make a habit of this look, it will do you no favours whatsoever. All or nothing, aged 18. Briefly try the standard style again before giving up on all forms of head covering completely. At least you've made your mind up. You can try telling yourself you're still modest by wearing long sleeve tops and not showing your legs, but this won't last. You knew it would be a slippery slope. I think that's all right, actually. Um, yeah, so that's one bit of like the memoir that I was... Oh God, don't... This is bad. I shouldn't be reading this stuff because I'm going to want to start it all again. <laughs> I was thinking of maybe doing like a podcast short story series based on my writings. Oh, it just feels like there's so much to get out and I don't know what order it needs to get in or what format and how to build an audience and who even gives a fuck. Who knows? Right, well, that was a bit on the headscarf. <laughs> I'm definitely going to go now. Thank you for listening. I will chat to you again soon. Bye.